I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. I'm not fucking leaving. The show goes on. And episode one, nine, three, and it's me, Gary P. Of course, the Prof. Gar Riley. Howdy, it's nearly midnight here, Gar. It's been a long day. Yeah, it's one of those ones, Prof. It's a long week, myself, confirmations, the whole lot. We're going old school. Hopefully, my hygiene is above reproach, Gar, because <laughs> on government advice, I have been having shorter showers and oh. I've not been filling up the kettle. Oh, yeah, and what else was it? What else was the other one? Um, don't fill up the kettle, have shorter showers, put on a jumper. If you're cold, put a jumper on. Do your part to lower energy costs. Because, you know, it's all your own doing. Yeah, absolutely What's ridiculous. the official policy on putting whiskey in the kettle, though? Whiskey in the kettle. A classic uh, folk song. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, of course, we have our fantastic sponsors. It's Leicester Credit. For when you need to get bailed out of jail in Letterkenny, there's Leicester Credit. They got you back. And we have Ocean Electrical, of course, in their eight year of business, fantastic stuff, getting cars on the road every year, bringing more people in and having a massive, massive effect on Tala's electrical uh, currents. So get in touch with both companies, they will never steer you wrong. And of course, Green Ribbon Prop, points and points and points of it. We're going to talk to you about our bus trip to Bally Buffet and look ahead to Damien Duff's Shelbourne. Duffer's Talk Park is one of the themes <laughs> on this month's Tifty's Hotline. Ten people died in to answer our five ish questions. Duffer's Hockey Park. <laughs> what else can we say? <laughs> um, so, Conor Gartz and the Ringo feedback. Um, Jesus. Unbelievable feedback for this one. The two boys. I think, what did uh, John Bourne call them? Ant and Deck. The Rovers Ant and Deck. Absolutely brilliant stuff. Really, really yeah. interesting once Superb again. Superb double act, he called them. Oh. Uh, John said he had to pour himself a drink to get through those George tributes. Couldn't do it sober. Yeah, it was absolutely fantastic. And um, we'll be definitely getting Conor Garts on. It has to be a live show. We have to get... I know Con's schedule is conflicting. And Garts will be soon. Garts is a man in demand. So uh, we'll be getting them on for another live show because the player of the year was just out of this world. It was brilliant. They made it absolutely excellent. Their Garts and then imagine having Con up there as well. Uh, LOI slash Tifty's live show. The trophies all all over the stage. So... Yeah, brilliant stuff. And John Bourne, he said, Conan Garrett, like I said, are the Anton Deck of SRFC TV. A superb double act. Brilliant stuff. And Donald Fallon, Pats fan and uh, very cool voiced individual prof. He said, where's Ringo's picture gone in Fallon's? Get it back up. That was his uh, his local alehouse, wasn't it? Local alehouse. 
A fantastic stuff, lads. George opened a lot of musical doors for me. It's why I obsess about the Blue Nile and the Blades, for example. JB, what a performance. And this is something that we spoke about last week, is that it did open up doors for me musically as well. And we're starting to listen to a couple of more bands that I heard about. And next on the list is that Greenblood actually put up a link for George's pet sounds that you spoke about and the playlist on it is brilliant that's the one I use for the ending of the show with George brilliant Hawking, the yeah. playlist is actually class so I'm going to give that a bash when I'm out on the bike of course with Bill Gleason, just listening to the Tony O'D bit of the Ringo, Ringo tribute I had blanked out that I was on the sauce with them in Prague in 1994 woke up in the horrors and the next day I had to get the train to Poland missed everyone and then ended up going 250 kilometers the wrong way Missed the match, came back to Prague and got robbed. <laughs> Amazing scenes. <laughs> so, not not the best trip for old Bill. I was saying to you, wasn't it, that for the next Tiffy's Hotline uh, European edition, rather than the usual favourite moments from games and trips now, give us your horror stories. Like, ended up in the wrong place. Oh, we have a few. We have a few. Uh, yeah, so some excellent stuff. And Garrett Brennan, John Bourne, I don't know why it reminded me of Dustin the Turkey in the Eurovision. I think he meant that as a compliment, but... <laughs> yeah, <maybe> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Dawnster said it was absolutely epic. Uh, Phelan as well uh, gave us high praise for being a bit self-indulgent now, so we'll stop. But uh, Garrett's as well, people were saying that they could listen to him all day. And uh, that uh, under-14's left-back gear... Would you, uh, I think it was Nody O'Brien. Here we go. Tell his name. I'll let you oh, pronounce it. This is too bad. Name. This is too bad. Adi Solanke. Adi Solanke that's not bad or Ade but uh, yeah so more stars coming through prof more stars coming through we've no feedback from the senator Mick McCarthy as well he's this week he's still going mad at Claire Bourne though not on the Christmas card list prof I love Mick ranting about Claire Bourne <laughs> it's, it's become a guilty pleasure of mine yeah. and uh, in in response to Mick on Facebook someone someone showed this uh, tweet RTE have done more outside broadcasts from Claire Bourne's shed than they have from League Varding Grounds. <laughs> yeah, um, that's that's actually probably true. It's ridiculous. She has a nice shed though, Prof. Mm-hmm. So uh, next up, it's the Tiffany's Hotline, Prof. We will play the first five callers now and the other five later. And the questions were as follows. In the next couple of weeks, there is a 10k walk from Milltown to Tala for the 35th anniversary and a 40k cycle in memory of Anto McDonald Waffles. So have you done these sort of things before? Don't do races, prof. Don't do it like that. Cycle every day and run most nights. But I wouldn't be getting involved in half marathons or anything like that. Like that psychopath Paul McGrath <laughs> and Noli O'Brien. The things they do to their bodies. Well, I have a couple of kindred spirits uh, in terms of callers into this hotline. Owen and Dush Jerry both don't exercise. So I've just found myself nodding along with those two. Uh, don't mind walking now. I did that 10k walk five years ago. In the last that was it. <laughs> yeah, that was it. No way am I cycling uh, that that journey. But fair play to the people who do it. Uh, what's your favourite form of exercise? Drinking points. I like drinking points. Mm-hmm. Biceps are huge. I'll be at the one arm. But uh, no, nah, I'm cycling. Cycling and a bit of running for me, prof. Pub crawls don't count. Pub crawls don't count. Uh, the homeless years. Can you think of one or two moments that typified the struggle we weren't around for the homeless years, prof? We weren't, but you can imagine how many people I've interviewed for the documentary and nearly all of them pick out the Car Kong game. More so than relegation, believe it or not. The Car Kong game, 2003. A lot of people, and do you know what I was thinking when I was listening back to it? I was thinking, were you prompting them? They all said that naturally. No, I, did, I just said, give us a low ebb. Yeah. 
and what convinced you to get that we would get it has to be considering away jerseys away dressing rooms and treat like shite so definitely has to be one of them doesn't it mm-hmm. uh, what was your best and worst memory of talk, oh, hold on no. what was a low ebb for you Yeah. so what was a low ebb for you But um, and what convinced you that we'll get to Tala one day this was a lovely one as well nice question some some really um, some some really cool answers coming up um, this is a controversial one prof no, no next memory. one next one what's your best and worst memory at Talca Park it can be any home game for Rovers or away to Shelbourne um, I like the Joey and Doe show I only been there for the last season in Talca and that was that one I've only a couple of these now um, I was at the cup game in 2017 and probably the worst is an easy one that's the FEI Cup defeat under Stephen Glass absolutely horrid performance knocked out with the cup I think that's one of the few games I've ever left early. That's how disgusted I was. Uh, and the controversial one, although Brad's I came out here and r- rightly so, smelling of roses. And uh, we like to throw a spanner in the works the whole time. Do you think that the squad is too big and sometimes Stephen Bradley has to make substitutions to keep people happy? You love these answers. And rightly that, so. That was Gary's idea. This was question. an idea to prompt positivity and it did, didn't it? That was Gary who worded that question. In case anyone's ah, yeah, listening, that's it. I, I, Carl, I'm gonna be a few minutes because I'm trying to get out from this bus you fucking threw me <laughs> under. Uh, do you have any Rover superstitions, do's and don'ts on match day? Lucky items on clothing? Uh, absolutely zero, zero. I have nothing like that. No, I don't. It doesn't come into my mind at all. The only thing is, I would never. I don't bet for or against Rovers really. Only, only other teams. Yeah. And we're always biased, though. We can never really just, you know. You don't mean? say stupid shit like Rovers are gonna do this or that mm. before a game because it just feels like you're tempting fate. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't even call it superstition. It's just common sense stuff. You don't want to get slagged about it either. That's, That's better, it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you ever joke about yourself or friends being a jinx? And do you have any stories about it? Yeah, I mean, there's everyone's a fucking jinx, according to Jason Maloney. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's. Um, there's a couple of jinxes already, but it means nothing really. It's just a bit of bit of crack. But a few people don't think it's the highest form of wit. Mm-hmm. Anyway, prof. And finally, a bonus question: What was your favorite hoops jersey from our nomadic years, eighty-seven to two thousand and eight? Describe the short and give the year. This is a good one. It's brought back some great memories for people. Few people picked out the one that our current jersey is based on. I think it's like ninety-nine to two thousand one. That sort of year. yeah, yeah, century. So, looking back at the pictures, I think I would pick that one as well. Obviously, the 94 one is, is brilliant. Lifestyle is just timeless. It's an absolute beaut. Just give me a plane, I did ask one. Well, the lifestyle wasn't nomadic. Thousands. Was that was, that was Jeremy. Yeah, that was the four in a row, but yeah, you'll sell thousands. Go for, that. Go for a, an Adidas replica. So, next up, you will hear Owen Rice, Peter Murphy, Tommy Tommy, Carl Cairns, and Kevin McGlone. That line. Owen Rice here. Um, I've never done the charity cycles or the walks, uh, but fair play to all the lads who have. Um, I don't really have a favourite form of exercise, to be honest. I'm not really into exercise. Um, I ran once, but I, I didn't like it, so I just uh, didn't do it again. Um, the moment that typified the struggle for me in the homeless years, there was one game in 2005, and I can't remember who it was against. I know we lost, um, because we lost most games that season. But it was in Daily Mount, and I remember after the game, the singing section all stood behind and sang the We'll Never Die song for about 10 minutes after the game. 
And it was just this really surreal moment of everyone singing this song in a completely empty stadium long after the game had ended. And I think it was because the penny just kind of dropped that night that we were just in a huge, huge amount of trouble um, on and off the pitch. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of a strange moment uh, that, that's, that stands out. Um, no moment convinced me we were going to get to Tyler. I didn't think we'd get to Tyler until about probably one minute before kickoff of the Sligo game. It finally dawned on me that we probably were going to actually start the game in Tyler. Um, but I wasn't too confident before then. Um, <coughs> best moments in Tolka Park. Lots of good moments in Tolka, in fairness, over the years because we played there for so long. One that stands out was uh, the opening game in 2006 season when we beat Dundalk uh, 2-1, got a very late winner. And uh, the place went absolutely bananas. And I just remember it being really important because it wasn't just that we won the game, it was a real sign that we were back um, and that we were going to really put up a fight to to get promoted that season. Um, you know, one of those results that really meant a lot more than three points. Um, so that was a really, really special one and stays with me uh, to this day, even though it was frighteningly long ago at this stage. Um, worst memory at Tolka Park. Again, lots of bad memories at Tolka Park because we played there for so long. Um, I mean, relegation, I suppose, was was probably the worst. I actually wasn't there that game. Um, I was in Pakistan uh, when we were relegated, um, following it on the Ultras message board uh, from a hotel in Lahore. And there was a, a hotel manager that night who was very sympathetic to the hoops plight. Um, but unfortunately, Pakistan's a dry country, so I couldn't even get a drink to drown the sorrows. So that was definitely a low moment. Um, do I think our squad is too big? Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, I think we've obviously a lot of players in, in one <coughs> certain position. Um, but I think probably the club didn't anticipate signing Jack. But when Jack comes available, you take Jack. So, you know, we probably do have an extra player we weren't anticipating. But in fairness, I think one of Stephen Bradley's real strengths, um, and he's a lot of them, but one of his real strengths is that he really creates um, that team culture and that team bond. And I think, you know, just having read some of the comments from some of the players, like the likes of I know, Graham Burke and people, like they really do seem to have a really strong bond with Bradley. Um, and I think he can keep uh, them happy, even though I'm sure they all want to play all the time. Um, <coughs> do I have any rover subst- uh, superstitions? Um, no. Um, I mean, I, I generally think we're going to lose every game. I suppose that's a superstition. Um, and probably because the first 20 years of following them, we pretty much did lose every game. So I, w- I was accurate. I was right for, for a lot of the time. Um, but I'm still very pessimistic going into every game. Uh, no matter who we're playing, I'm always convinced we're going to lose. Um, and sure. I suppose if we do lose, I anticipate it. And if we win, uh, it, it's nice. So maybe it's a good way to be. Um, the bonus question, <coughs> my favourite jersey. Um, I'm going to say a few nice jerseys over the years, a few absolute uh, stinkers as well. But probably going to say the 94 one, the league winning one, the green and white one now, not that awful purple yoke that some people still seem to cling to. Um I also have a fondness for the the jersey we won the league for with in uh, in '94, probably because we won the league with it, and you know I was thirteen and I had the jersey and and, and I really liked it. But um, yeah, for that reason, I'll probably go with the the '94 one. All right, see ya.
Hi, uh, Peter Murphy here. Uh, just on question one, no, I've never done the Milton Detala walk. The last I, walking is probably my favourite exercise, but uh, I've never actually done the walk itself. I've last time I was at a Milton commemoration was the twentieth anniversary in two thousand and seven. Of course, that was before Tala, so there was no Milton Detala walk on the day. Um, question number two: the homeless years, the what typified the struggle the most? I suppose everyone mentions that game against Cork where we played the home game at Turners Cross and wore away kit. I suppose there's all the nonsense that's going on around us that springs to mind. We were actually evicted from Richmond Park by Pats because of trouble at a Bowes game, and that led in turn to the game again down in Cork. But we actually had to uh, postpone a match against Shells before that because we couldn't nominate a, a ground to play in. So whatever about the homeless year is being typified by playing home matches in Santry or Tolka or Daily Mount or Richmond or whatever, this was actually a situation where the club was facing the prospect of not being able to host home matches anywhere because we didn't have uh, literally had a place to play the games in in the end we actually played out the rest of the season in Talca Park um, off the field there was all sorts of other carry on going on at the same time as well I remember a story broke about the club's laundrette some, some laundrette down in Crumlin that had the contract to clean the club's gear and apparently they were owed something like two or three grand by the club and they were threatening to withhold the gear and in the end it didn't come to that because they were afraid of the prospect of Roversons banging down the door demanding that the kit be returned but I mean, you talk about Rovers in the post Milltown years being nothing but a, a, a few players on a contract and a, and, a, and a bag of jerseys. This was a situation where we probably didn't even end up with the bag of jerseys, so to speak. But that was pretty grim and pretty representative of the direction that the club was going in in that kind of like 0304 period. Um, and then after that, I suppose, if you're asking me like what maybe convinced that we would get to Tala, I suppose examinership itself or coming out of the other side of it and knowing that we were a member's own club, uh, I think we had the right people in, in place to make sure that the, the club fought for what had to be done. I think if we had to face up to a judicial review with the GAA under the previous administration, such as with the likes of Tony Maguire, I think we would have rolled over too easily. But uh, we knew that wasn't going to happen. I think that was only ever going to be little more than a delaying tactic and in the end that's all it proved to be. Um, Best and worst memories of Talca Park. Lots of very good memories, even though they weren't necessarily the best of times for Rovers. But I suppose the first one that springs to mind would be the win against Shells in 1994, which was the night we effectively won the league title. Um, I remember standing up the very back of the Ballybock end that night, um, seeing Alan Dodd's lob over Jody Byrne disappear out of view as a blow the crowd beneath me. And... Looking forward to going back to Bally, to the Ballybock end again this week. It's I think it works better without the seats in it. It's a proper away end. I've never been a fan of watching games from the Riverside. I think it's a proper away section, and I think that's that's it's a good place to watch a game in Talca Park. Haven't been behind a goal in Talca Park in about twenty years. Um, in terms of our squad, is it too big, or does Stephen Bradley have to make too many substitutions? Sometimes I think that is the case. If you're Making five changes in a game, you know, you're effectively swapping out 50% of your outfield players. Um, does that mean that you have made a wrong selection or are you trying to keep players happy? I think sometimes it's a, it's a bit of both. But yeah, I think he is under pressure to make sure that enough players get regular game time. Sometimes anyway. Um, so Rover sub superstitions, I'm not particularly superstitious, but if you put me on the spot, I suppose... Um, my brother lives away from home, so he comes home for the odd big game. He came home for the cup final in 1991 and we lost. He was living at home for the 2002 cup final and we lost that. And then he came home for the 2010 cup final and we also lost that. But he didn't come home for the 2019 cup final and we won, of course. So maybe he is a bit of a jinx. I don't know. I don't think he's actually seen us actually win anything since the Milltown year. So it's probably best that he stays away whenever we get to a cup final. Um, 
And then finally, uh, my favourite Rovers jersey from the nomadic years, um, that would be the jersey that we wore in 05-06, which was the year, or the jersey that we wore when we both got relegated and got promoted. Um, it was crest in the middle, kind of a controversial choice because there was no hoops on the sleeves, plain white sleeves on it. But I liked it anyway. Um, oh yeah, also bad memories about talking. Not too many, but I suppose if I had to name one, probably the night we got relegated in 2005. One or a good memory would be the uh, the opening night of the 2006 season when we played first the, the first game in the first division when we played on Dawkins, came from behind with a, a stoppage time winner from Willie Doyle. But yeah, Talk Park, lots of good memories from Talk Park and looking forward to going back there on, on Friday. Right, folks, it's Tommy Tormy here for the Tifties Hotline. Um, here's my contribution. I have never taken part in a 10k walk or a 40k cycle, um, although I have taken part in a number of pub crawls, if that counts as similar, I don't know. Um, my favourite form of exercise is walking, because as everybody knows, rovers never run. In the homeless years, can I think of one or two moments that typified the struggle? No, I can't, because there were so many different struggles. I mean, I do remember standing in Santry at a time that results were going quite well and thinking that pretty much this is shit. And I remember thinking the same thing a year later, when again, results were going pretty well and we were playing home games in Talca Park on a Monday. Um, Both of them were probably pretty low ebbs. What convinced me we will get to Tallow one day was the time I woke up from working a night shift to discover that we'd survived examinership. And I think that was probably the moment I thought everything would be all right. Also, I remember around the time John O'Donoghue said he was prepared to fight the GAA. So I think once we had political backing for that struggle, I'd always thought things were going to be okay eventually. In terms of my best and worst memories of Talca Park, well, my worst is probably getting relegated. But then there's also the 1999 FAI Cup defeat to Shelburne, which meant that the 90s would be the first decade that the club didn't win the cup in. The best moments were probably all the wins over Bowes, but especially the Cup semi in 2002. I do not think that our squad is too big and that sometimes Stephen Bradley makes substitutions just to keep some of them happy. But I have to say that if Bradzer was making substitutions just to keep players happy, I wouldn't see much of a problem in it if the game was going well. Otherwise, I think our squad is good size, given the fact that we're allowed to use 14 to 16 players in every game. I really think fans need to accept that substitutions and squad rotation are part of the game. I think that Stephen Bradley's use of substitutes is excellent. And actually, I think that's one of the reasons the five subs rule is such an advantage to Rovers. It's not only that we have the squad, but we have a manager who's smarter at using the squad. And I think he's shown that in in loads of different games. I don't really have any Rovers substitutions or do and don'ts on match day. But um, I do sometimes have lucky items of clothing. So I bought an Ultras t-shirt at the AIK game in Stockholm. And I wore it for the home games against Bran and Apollon. And I wore it watching the Ilves game on the fucked up non-stream. 
I think probably wearing it for the Milan game on RTE was probably asking too much of its magic. I had a previous run with the jersey I wore for the away game in Tel Aviv, where I also wore it for the away game against Flora Tallon before it died a death um, by the ill-fated trip to Ekranus Panavici. Uh, I don't really ever joke about uh, myself or friends being a jinx. Actually, I think jinx banter is the lowest form of wit. My favourite jersey from the nomadic years would be the one that featured in Paths to Freedom with the hoops like we have now and the 70s style collar. But the 1993-94 league winning one was pretty decent as well. How are you lads? Carl Cairns here. Part-time football fan, full-time can enthusiast. Thanks for having me on again. Um, just going to answer these questions for you. I've never done any of the either the Milltown walks or the uh, or the cycle. Obviously, it hasn't happened yet. But I plan on making this year my first uh, Milltown to Tallow walk. It's convenient for me now because I'm walking around the corner from the monument. So uh, I think I'll join in next Friday. Um, as long as there's no football matches for me to play that night, of course. As that is my favourite form of exercise, and I've been known to even miss Rovers games to, to play football matches myself. So for the homeless years, um, I actually missed a lot of them. As although I was going to games from when I was young, um, I only kind of consistently start going in 2005. So for me, I wouldn't have as kind of rich of rich if you want to use that word amount of memories as other people would. But one that stands out for me is in 2005, the year we got relegated and we played Pats um, in Richmond. We won, I think it was 2-1, I seem to remember Dave Mooney scoring. And coming out of the ground and finding out we're after being deducted eight points, gone into uh, examinership. And it kind of just felt like every time something positive happened, it'd be one step forward and two steps back and kind of drained the life out of us for a while. But that day, as with many other days, my dad was the one to pick me up. He used to tell me we were driving past that stadium every single day. He'd go, Rovers are going to be playing there and it's going to be a packed house and we're going to be playing some of the top teams in Europe. And he always believed it, even when myself and a lot of others didn't. So, yeah, he's the one that kept me going, if you like. Best and worst memory of Talker Park. Um Best memory of Talker Park will probably be from that 2005 season again. We've two, I suppose. 2005 season where we beat Shells, went down to nine men, a real battling performance. I really enjoyed that day. <clears throat> and the second one would be our first game in the first division where we played Dundalk and won 2 1, came back from a goal down. And the crowd that day and the atmosphere and the players reacting on the park, it just felt like something something was happening. It was the beginning of something as opposed to the end of Rovers being a force. It was the start of the comeback. Worst day in Talga, again, I probably wouldn't have a significant amount of memories compared to other people, but under Scully, we were going for the league and we played Rada, who were also kind of challenging at that stage. And there was a great crowd at the game and it was kind of a damn squib and we ended up losing. 1-0 and that was just a bit of a kick in the teeth that day because I was convinced this was the start of Rovers being back challenging obviously we had to wait another couple of years difficult question about our squad I I think 
obviously the manager's entitled to develop a squad in any ways he sees fit. Um, I don't. I think the Jack Bourne signing kind of came out with a blow. I don't think anybody expected him to be available as quickly as he was. So Bradley probably had the idea of having Tell, Mandrew and Bork as a street. They would rotate for those two number 10 positions. But Bourne comes available, you have to sign him. I think maybe the transition of Tell into a deeper role will kind of help facilitate like a more uh, comfortable uh, level of rotation there. So, look, I think if you can fit them in, fit them in, great. Like, we're going to have loads of European games hopefully coming up and loads of, of big league games. So, Everyone's going to get their fair crack. It's just whether they can maintain their temperament. We've seen a couple of instances in the last few weeks that you don't like to see creeping in. But look, if anyone can manage them, it's going to be Bradley, isn't it? I don't have any superstitions. I'm not a superstitious bloke um, at all, to be perfectly honest. Um, yeah, just not something ever appealed to me. I've, I've played with... With players that are superstitious in terms of what boots they wear and what boots they put on for us, and to me it's a lot of bollocks, to be perfectly honest. We did joke about someone being a jinx, and um, it was my friend Jack, his dad, who sadly left us. Um, his Dave used to come to a few of the games with us, and he used to always turn up at the Bowls games during that particular run where we uh, couldn't fucking beat him for love no money, and Every time he seemed to be standing in my line of vision, but lose the balls, so I fucking barred him for the games from then on. He did end up seeing the speed, and thankfully, um, but yeah, he's the only jinx that uh, I remember. Um, bonus question about the jersey. Interesting one. I suppose. I think it was two thousand and one. It was one of the first Rover jerseys I had. Put them in the home jersey, so green and white hoops with their collar. And it was the first, so it was one of the first jerseys I had. So, um, yeah, that stands out was probably my favourite from that period of time. Obviously, there were some crackers going back before that, but um, no, that would probably be my favourite just personally because, see, it was one that I still actually have today, funnily enough. Thanks for having me on again, and I promise you will see me on the next away bus, providing I don't have any games to play myself, of course. Keep on helping. Hi, yes. This is Kevin McGlone here. Thanks to Gary and Carol for asking me to do this for Tales of the East Stand. And um, we'll get through these as quick as I can for you. So the first question, the 10k walk or 40k cycle, have you ever done these things before? Well, yeah, I've actually done a few triathlons in my time about 10 years ago. So we ended up doing Olympic distance and half Ironmans. So yeah, it'd be something I've done before these days. What do we do? Yeah, I go to the gym a little bit and play golf a few times a week, so that's about it for now. Question two. Moments that typified the struggle or a low ebb. Jesus, there was loads of these anyway. Um, I remember one time we beat Shells and Tolka, I think. We were there as, you know, we were playing there at the time. And just, I think Ollie Bourne was still in charge then. And just after we were leaving the ground, or just as we were leaving the ground, it came over to PA that our next game next week will not be in Tolka Park because Ollie decided to fuck us out. So, you know, when people say Ollie was a great League of Ireland man, he wasn't a great League of Ireland man. He was a great Shells man, that was it. He was a scourge, if you ask me. Um, also, I remember one time listening to Mick Cairns on the radio one evening. I was coming home from work and he was on News Talk. 
and it was the optimism that Mick was showing. It was like, yeah, we should be there in a couple of weeks, lads, and I hope. I knew Mick a little bit, used to get to meet him every now and again. And so it was people like him who kind of showed us that, you know, we could definitely do it and we definitely get there, you know, if we had faith. So, yeah, things like that. My best and worst memory of Tolka. I've actually no best. I can't remember any really good times in Tolka. Um, worst moments. I remember spilling bovril over my hand sometime in the mid-70s or something like that, one of my first games in Talca Park with my dad, and it was under the lights as well, so it was magical until about the, whenever it was. I remember it was just after half-time, and I burned my fingers. Another one, the worst by far, was the relegation night in Dublin City, against Dublin City. That was just, it was just unbelievable. Like, it was heartbreaking. After the match, walking on the pitch, just looking at other hoops, and you're just staring blankly at them, and there was nothing to say, really. You know, that was far and away the lowest ebb, and the lowest, the worst memory that we ever had. Um, question four, do we think the squad is too big? No, I think, I think we're going to need all these players for the season ahead. We're going to win the league, which I think we will, and hopefully get to a group stage, one of the European competitions. I think his subs have been excellent this year, and have players, of course, are disappointed to come off, but I think it's part and parcel. And I feel they're really thriving the competition. Like, if you see Bork, he didn't get in for the first couple of games, and he's been an absolute revelation since he came in. It's fantastic. So, yeah, no, I think Bradley has it just right at the minute. Um, question five Jinx or superstition? No, I don't feel any jinx or anything like that or superstitions. I remember years ago, I think it was in Milltown, when he used to be sitting at behind the terrace, watching the, or behind the goal on the terrace, watching the game, and we'd lose a game. And I remember thinking to myself, could I have done something? Like, could I have influenced or said something to shout at a player at some stage during the game? And maybe, like, because I did that, he would do something else and kind of like the butterfly effect, but maybe that was more just the thoughts that went on in my head at the time. Um, I've no superstitions. I did have a buy a scarf. I remember about five or six years ago. I'm sorry about the noise behind me. I remember five or six years ago. I bought a scarf, and I think for the first three games we lost. So I think I just fucked it in the bin. Then enough of that. Favorite jersey. Um, I like the Premier Dairies one from the late 80s or the 90s. I knew Paul McNamara. It was John McNamara's brother, so I was kind of it used to be in and around the thing a little bit like that. And also because I'm a milkman now, so I suppose the Premier Dairies thing um, has kind of stuck with me. Um, and that's about it for all the questions. Um, keep on hooping rovers and looking forward to doing the double this year and qualifying for the group stage as one of the competitions. Cheers, lads. Thanks. Bye-bye. So that was the Hotline Prop first five and some excellent, excellent answers there from the lads. Much appreciated for sending in your input. Yeah, Kevin McGlone did that in a Spanish airport before his flight home. And uh, he's actually not the only holiday caller in this uh, edition of the hotline. We have another one later on who did a poolside gear. Oh, yes. I'll have a little guess. I didn't know who it was. I'll have a little guess who that was. <laughs> uh, Kevin McGlone um, had a Bovril accent, as he, as he described there. Uh, we need to get him on again, actually. Uh, he was very good. I think I'm going to have to admit something. I don't think I've ever had Bovril. I was only thinking that actually. I don't think I've ever had it. I don't think I have either. I was looking at this football scram thing again online, and there was this place in Norway selling sausage water, and I thought surely that's the equivalent, but a cup of sausage water for two euro. So yeah, we're gonna have to break our bovril, our bo- proper bovril cherries, puff. Um. Uh, what else was there? Uh, Peter's brother is one hundred percent the jinx. Sorry, Peter. <laughs> 
Uh, Owen Roy said he ran once but he didn't like it so he didn't do <laughs> it again up that with that. Yeah. ran once also what a quote this is from Owen Rice I was in Pakistan when we were relegated that should go on your epitaph and there was no drink Jesus he couldn't drink while stuck in a Pakistani hotel while we got relegated should fucking jump off the 10th ten, the ten floor <laughs> Um, Tommy Tarmy uh, referenced uh, the rats from the flats wearing the, the old school rock. Oh, jersey, yeah, yeah. AKA Roos Bolton. <laughs> Bolton, yeah. What else yeah. is he in? He's in a few things. <laughs> and there was a little message from Ray uh, just on Baddy Buffet since we're about to review that game. He, uh, Ray, uh, Ray Whedon, that is. He said, We had about 30 people one Tuesday night up there three years ago. One of the few times the Hoops SC didn't run a bus. I went up in Tommy Tarmy's Tommy Tarmy's yellow micro. He tags me every year on the anniversary. <laughs> Good stuff. You can't be good away day, prof. And we'll talk about ours. And we got a force away win of the season. Three 0 Harps on Friday. The team Lions was left wing back until was in for what and the most comfortable Finn Harps win of all time in my in my living history anyway memory. They cracked their woodwork twice, but even then. It felt like the most comfortable win I've I seen cracked there. my own fucking <laughs> uh, No, uh, A blow for, for us in, <sighs> when the teams were announced there. Ryan Connolly missing from the Harps team. Like that, that's a blow. Disgusted. His picture was on the ticket and all. <laughs> yeah. um, He's made it onto ticket folklore. And Gareth, 3-0. You know what that means? Go on. Do you know what it means? Guess? No, I don't know what it means. I got the prediction right. Oh, I, didn't, I never even check. I never even check. Did you one, say three 0 I did. One of the one or two times a season I actually get it right. We should actually put a bet on every week for the crack. <laughs> two of us, two fifty each, give it in as a fiver and put on a prediction, a score, score cast, someone to score and a, and a score to win. It'd be a bit of crack. Tifty's tips. Yeah. So um, the Harps build up all sorts of April Fool jokes going on that day. What do we get hit with? There was a few. There was the square is going to have a rooftop pool opening in the summer. There was the Monty Malone statue got robbed. The one you're thinking of, I think, is the harps pitch covered in snow. Yeah, that's what it was, yeah. Obviously, I'm looking at it going, yeah. oh, here. And the pitch inspection. But by one o'clock on April Fool's Day, you're just groaning at everything. Mm. You're just you're just like, I just shite at this stage. No more of these. But we were in good, uh, we were in good form with a collection in Navin. Which sent us down towards Slane, and of the obvious individuals weren't happy. Ill-advised detour in Slane. Uh, we got there eventually, but uh, it's good to be back. Good to be back in one of the very few away buses that's going to be running this season, unfortunately. Um, so good numbers as well, Prof. And uh, I think Curry and I took away half the support. <laughs> Fucking Curry. Fucking Chuan City. I think that's what it's called. I'm not sure. It took away half the support. Half the hoops were in having an L curry, drinking curry from point glasses. Well, the crowd is bigger on the night than we expected, so I'm 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 thankful for that. But the lack of interest leading into the game, I I was, it was worrying. Man. I was baffled by yeah, it. it. Was worrying because it's like it's always the best trip of the season. No other club welcomes us as much as as this club. Never any trouble. Even when they throw you out, they welcome you back in. I mean, what a club! Absolutely. Uh, we have Jared Tuig on the morning of the game messaged us on Facebook and he said Is it okay if I wear my Max Murphy jersey I got for sponsoring him even though he plays for Bowes now? Even though it's about six times too small for him. And he did, Gare. Oh, he wore the Max Murphy jersey on Ma- the bus. And everybody knew about it. 
Yeah. The weather was quite deceiving. Uh, I was getting sunburnt in the far provinces in Crumlin. Yeah, we were out in the beer garden, me and Tom O'P. Yeah. Gary P and Tom O'P out drinking swamping points of green ribbon, 12 o'clock thinking, lovely, away days in the sun. And then we're checking the forecast and we're supposed to get pissed on. Mm. Uh, it never really lashed rain though, did it? It just sort of drizzled for the whole 90 minutes. Uh, we I know we were alright, it wasn't, it yeah. wasn't uncomfortable like. We didn't have to huddle under the homestand or do a no, barney no, and do a barney and bunk in the media box. Uh, Mitzi uh, didn't quite get the umbrella right, Gary, if you saw the picture I put up. <laughs> no. Inside out umbrella. Not as effective, I find. No, definitely it's not. inside out. So there you go. So some people said um, they saved the podcast for these long trips and then we got Fikert he replied to our Insta story on the bus he says where's the banjo before Monaghan content we all crave I didn't award anyone this really I didn't notice if you you usually go to, go to awarding these yeah, people these no I did, there was no standout banjo-ness uh, banjo-ness uh, some suggestions for, for Owen but Owen just kind of behaved like he always did so it was no it was no difference yeah uh, yeah Con, Con Murphy asked me who was muttered by Monaghan Ooh. And I appreciate the alliteration, but I just I feel like the phrase has already been coined now. Yeah, yeah, Mullard. We're gonna have to mm. we're gonna have to scrap that one and put it in the bin. Con, <laughs> but uh, banjo before Monaghan remains. But there was a, do you know what? I think it was a collective effort. A lot of us were banjo before Monaghan, so a collective <laughs> banjoedness really shone through on that one. So we're all winners. Uh, um, plenty of songs in the bus. I see we've robbed yet another Celtic song. What's the one I put into the group the other day after it? What's I can't even remember how it goes. I just. It's like a running joke at this stage. What's the next Celtic song we're going to rock? It's got Watts in it. Oh, I can't remember. Um, yeah, uh, Rovers fans were getting selfies with Ollie. Who did they, who did they get? Who got a selfie it with Ollie? Kieran McDermott got one. <laughs> that was hilarious. Kane Hopkins got one. And Kane was telling me about it. He said, uh, he got the selfie. And then Ollie said to him, I hope you won't be abusing me now. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, Ollie's brilliant. Great fella. Um... Uh, people headed for Sharon Gillespie's tea shop. Oh, Bishop Tay. And I was waiting for what Patrick Tutty. I was waiting for him to make his usual joke and say, Oh, give us a twirl and a cup of tea. And then she reaches for a twirl and, Oh, give us a real twirl. Is this the joke he makes every trip? Every trip. <laughs> every I'm trip. sure it gets funnier every time. She's like, oh, How many fucking twirls am I going to have to do tonight? <laughs> I uh, got the burger, Gar. I must say, go I'm on. Very impressed with this burger. I'm oh. giving it a solid eight and a half out of Ooh, ten. Ooh, eight and a half. Right, so give me what what was on the prof. We got to know what content is going on to this. This is Tifty Scran. The good stuff: cheese, onions, tomato sauce, quality bun. Very happy with this burger. Buns. I'm talking brioche. Are we talking brioche here? <laughs> <laughs> brioche buns. I'm a fan of brioche buns. Was a sesame seed? Was a brioche? What are we talking here? I don't remember anymore. <laughs> just eating it without hands. It was on. It was on the wall, and you were eating it without your hands. Um, brilliant stuff, yeah. So uh, the game itself, we had Enzai hitting the post. Um, I thought. I thought we came out of blocks fairly well. I liked. I liked how we started this game. Hard to believe how much time he was afforded when he hit that shot, and everyone was just. Like, when he hit the post and came back off mounts, we were like, what just happened? Yeah, Borky did danger man as usual, and he had three saves in the first 25 minutes. And Bork is pretty much indispensable at the minute. He is the focal point of our attack, and he's just class when he's on it. And once again, a couple of games he needed to get motoring, and now he's back. Yeah, McGinley denied him not once, not twice, but thrice, but thrice. in the first 25 minutes. Uh, the best chance was the third one, 
where he turned inside the box. Ah, oh, this was deadly. And uh, yeah, it was unlucky not to score there. Really, really good. I was happy with it. And I, I just thought to myself, before actually Lions popped up, I was thinking, keep doing this and we'll bounce off these. Because I was hoping it wasn't going to be one of those nights where you're just thinking, oh, fucking loads of chances and no goals. The only surprising thing was that the goal took as long as it did to come. Uh, just before half time. Yeah, yeah. But it was absolutely gorgeous from Jack. The belly box shuffle. Whippage. And straight headed. I thought it was Gaffney at first. I was thinking to myself, look at this. Absolutely deadly goal. Lions swiftly arriving into the box and burying it and making it 1-0 for our first ever stoppage time in the first half winner of the Golden Goal. And you would have probably felt aggrieved of this if because it, mm. it went in officially in 47, I think it was, but that was still the first half and stoppage time in the first half. So that's where you have a benefit of getting that number as a third number. Do you know what I mean? So you would have remembered that, that happened before, you mean? It would have... I don't think it happened in the first. I think it might have happened in the ninetieth. Or someone yeah. had ninety one or ninety two, so there was some mix up there. But yeah, Donald Dowling willing for a second week in a row, prof. I feel have. like we've scored goals, a good few goals, but never uh, opening goals in first half stoppage time. You know what I mean? Yeah, brilliant. I brilliant feel like time. we've made it two 0 quite yeah, a few times. Yeah, and killed the game off slowly. But what yeah. a, what a, what a uh, time to get a goal! Absolutely brilliant, and his fourth goal for the club. And then Garbrandt for a stroll. Went for a little. Po- went for a point in the doghouse with Maloney and yeah. to sample the exquisite points that are in the round, the gorgeous town of Bally Buffet. Had the karaoke kicked off then, or was that afterwards? Uh, I was talking to the locals. Um, they weren't wearing uniforms, right? But I was talking mm. to them, mm. having a chat. Nice guys, very nice. Was Jack there? <laughs> so um, yeah, and we had the second half kicking off, prof, and Eat Boyle banging the crossbar. Sixty minutes in. He hit the cross bar, but did he hit? It's not bar? as dangerous as it sounds. Yeah, like not. Manus didn't really look like he was in danger. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't one of them. Like, and like I said, this is the Woodwork twice, but very comfortable win. I mean, we're well worth a three 0 yeah. win. Could have been four or five. So we're pushing on from there on in, and then we had Lions. We had I think it was Gary O'Neill in the middle of the park giving it out to Lions. I might. I hope I'm getting that right, but Gary O'Neill, Gary O'Neill starting the starting the show, and then Lions little one two taking it in, and the torn little swivel. Where's he from? I don't think it's some sort of name from where he's from for that <laughs> swivel. And then the left footed, what was what are we talking here? Chip. Ooh, I've to watch it back now. Watch it back. It's it's a thing of beauty. Chip his foot follows true, so it's not a dink, because a dink normally kind of net drops a little bit quicker. I'm gonna say a chip. This is a bit of a chip for me. Ray Whelan's usually good at this. Ray Whelan, you're probably on your way from Cavan with a van full of food right now. And the funny thing is, he's probably he'd be smiling when he hears this because this is probably exactly what he's doing. Big van full of food, going to work, going to an Ixar. So tell us what you think it is. He's, he's, he actually nailed it when he broke them down. A chip, a dink, yeah. a lob, a panenka, all these things. So I think we read it out that time, didn't we? Uh, yeah. All the definitions. The definition, the lads yeah. had definitions. So cruise mode, Prof, 2-0. And we're thinking, lovely. It's a bit of a celebration now. And then Borky penalty, 87 minutes. McGinley, absolutely no doubt about it. Takes down Gaffney in the area. Showing a red card. Red card all day. Why did Gaffney try and round the keeper at all? He just, I was, when he was doing it, I was like, he's going round the keeper. Because I love that. I love it. I'm like, yes. But uh, is, here's, the, here's the talking point. Should Borky have given it to Lions? There was a debate in our bus, all right. But um, I, I, personally, hat-trick and all, fair enough, that's good. But I want Bork to keep going. Scoring confidence, yeah. keep going on the road on the run that he's on. I'm giving it to Bork. Well, McDara Ferris pointed out to me that he, the focus should be on goal difference. So 
you want to guarantee the goal. So your designated penalty taker takes the goals. Where he very, says, very valid point. In the cup, you could have given it to him. So the, the goal difference doesn't matter. Yep. Excellent stuff but from uh, McDarrah because that's actually that's actually a really good point when you think about it. Because you don't want to like Borky's probably more likely to score a penalty than Lions. Do you know what I mean? But the romantic in me says it was the last minute and we're two in the up in Baddy Buffet and our left wing back would probably never have a chance to score a hat trick in his career. When you break it down like that, as well. now, when you break it down like that, bro, play for another fifteen years, he probably won't score a hat trick now. Performances, um, Prof. What do you think? Who, who got you about the match? Just before performances, uh, Bastian Eri went in goal for that one. Yeah. So, always a great novelty. I think he got a nice punch on one of the corners as well. <laughs> always a great novelty when an outfield player goes in goal. Do you remember a game from, I know you probably blurred out the, or you've blanked out the, the Crawley area, but um, there was a home game of Limerick in 2014 where we were losing the match 1-0 for... We were probably down at least half an hour. And then in the 94th minute, Limerick goalkeeper Barry Ryan got sent off and we got a penalty. And Sean or sorry, Shane Tracy, a midfielder, went in goal for Limerick. And Sean O'Connor missed. Tracy saved it, but then we still equalised in the 97th minute. I don't remember this. From Jason McGuinness. So, Jason McGuinness. I don't recall another outfield player going in goals since then. Uh, someone can send it in to us if I'm wrong on that, but that's the one. That's the most recent one I remember. Yep. So excellent performances all around. I'm really, really happy with this man of the match for you. Lions got man of the match officially, didn't he? I think he did, yeah. But uh, Gaffney again stood out for me. He was causing them problems, bastard, isn't he? Throughout the whole match, <laughs> that's exactly what the players are saying. He's a fucking bastard. I just love watching him hold up the ball and just run rings around defenders. It just it gives me pleasure. He has this mad style of running. It's just like a, he's chopping, chopping air. You know, he's brilliant. I was really happy with. It. I, I'm happy with Tell as well. I think he got himself about. I mean, possibly Tell is the guy that needs a couple of run of games to kind of start bringing form on, stopping and starting and changing and chopping for him might not work. So we'll talk mm. about our starting levels in a while. But Paul Curry on the RTE Soccer Podcast, he reckons that Lions will score a good few more goals this season oh, because yes. of the way our wing backs play and get forward. He says. Shackers are off him now compared to all the defending you have to do uh, at Bowes. And think about that man, the match in successive games on different flanks. Attacking as well. And that's we, some like, We finally have an attacking fullback who can settle in that role now. And that's, one of the, that's on the left as well, Carl. That's, that's not his position. You know what I mean? So we've still got, hopefully, Cavo, my number one preferred left wing back coming in. And the Lions on that. Imagine, man, that's, that's fucking beautiful. Well, we both wanted Ferrugia to start last true, week, didn't true, I? But yeah. I said, my guess was that he would start line. Cavo or Ferrugia, though? Cavo for me, I think. Both in form. Best, both in form players. I, I think, I just, Kavanagh, I don't yeah. know. Actually, just a quick, a quick, um, a quick one as well. I don't know why I thought about this. I think it was LOI Central. They were talking about players playing different positions. Is there anyone in the team that you could think could play in a totally, totally different position than that they play in now? Like, for example... Cavo in midfield. Yeah, sort of like, Cavo could play everywhere. But mm. the likes of, I don't know, who could slot in at centre-half? Could Gaffney do a job <laughs> at centre-half, maybe? He could, you, you know that? Green or left wing-back. Yeah, yeah. Finner has changed position, position. That's something for another day, anyway. I think we've seen Gary O'Neill centre-back before, haven't we? A few couple of times? Yeah, there you go. Someone slotting in there. Um, little things like that. Um, I, I love how I'm making it sound like 
I saw this match, Gar, because I saw fucking none of this match. <laughs> I had Mitzi in the first half. I was like his butler holding the umbrella for him. Uh, the second half, who did I run into? None oh, other than Billy Nolan. Ah, Billy's a great lad, yeah. Absolutely smashing that. But fortunately, he's so talkative and infectious that you just can't help but get wrapped up in conversation <laughs> with him. And, uh, and his wife was there with him. So I had to tell him for company for the second half. And God knows I saw it none of the match. But at one stage, Biddy started chatting to Sharon in the tea shop. And then he went into the tea shop. And he just stayed in there. And then we got the penalty. And I saw him. I was, I was thinking of saying to him, you know where we have a penalty? I just had to leave it. He's, he's happy. He was in, in serving the tea. He's, he's happy in there. Yeah, so Bradzar told LOI TV in his interview, he said, the performances have been getting better and better. You see, we're getting into our stride. We just need to keep going, keep building, keep getting three points on the board every week. And this is what I talked about, Prop, we're starting the motor. We're starting the motor. But unfortunately, Lee Grace came off with an injury. And Lee has been our standout player this season, I possibly think. I mean, he's does Lee get enough credit? Lee has been absolutely amazing since he came to Rovers. Very, very few patchy, mm. patchy spots in his performance. He is a brilliant, brilliant defender. He's a, a Rovers legend at this stage as well. I think it is being noticed by fans because, uh, as we mentioned later on, Berkey won Player of the Month for March. And he only won it by 2% ahead of Grace. Yeah, Grace is absolutely brilliant. But the bus home as well, the karaoke in the pub caused a certain someone to be late back to the bus. A certain someone that hammers me every time we're late or we're anyway delayed <laughs> and we're tramping around the rain and letter ca- or in Bally Buffet's main city looking for this individual who comes back Bags full of cans and a big <laughs> smile on his face. But listen, yeah. we don't leave any men behind. Few of us, few of us got caught out by the bus because we were waiting out on the on the street outside the stadium, and then a big Nolan's bus pulls up. It was actually the Gary Twigs, and then I look around and every single person on my bus is gone. I'm like, what the fuck just happened? It turns out yours are all way down in the town, down there. So a few people had to. Oh yeah, out where I had to we rescue were. you. I only realised that as well. Yeah. I was running around going "Braff" in the rain yeah. on my knees. <laughs> and then you just walk by us, car. Come on. <laughs> Someone had to put up the the Google Maps in the chat. Like here we are. Yeah, like, we're sending pins everywhere. Looks like. Oh, by the way, Cavo um, came off the bench for the last couple of minutes. So that's his first appearance. Oh, I of did the, not notice that of the season. Good stuff. Good first to see Cavo back since Sligo in October. Hey, excellent stuff, excellent stuff. He had been on the bench for the previous three games, but that's the first time he came on. Um, we ran into the players in a in a garage in Monaghan. This led to some uh, oh God. comical scenes. I hope we never do this. Again. We never bump into these players again. That's the yeah, the poor players game. Oh God, bottles of wine and everything getting drunk. A few selfies with the the man, the moment, Andy Lyons. Andy Lyons, yeah. Uh, and I'm can I, much, can I just say I'm delighted that Tifty's management dealt with my complaint seriously and this time it returned to the point of departure of the four provinces hey, like a bus should the next one probably won't probably. <laughs> I'm sorry what uh, yes so um, and Maloney again our last mention of Maloney his taxi driver back to Ballier was none other than Ken O'Man ah Ken O'Man I'd say I'm surprised Ken O'Man just didn't drive off <laughs> like not a chance the man with the infectious laugh Remember, remember oh, laugh. man, barrel, a barrel out of a laugh, that wasn't was brilliant. it? Brilliant but, stuff, uh, yeah. Great trip from what I saw of the match and as long as it was. It didn't feel as long as the trip home from Derry after that late goal. Yeah. 
But, I, um, I was busy on the way home saving the world and drinking bottles of Merlot. Fantastic <laughs> stuff. Fantastic. Yeah, good trip and thankfully no toilet doors were harmed this time. And no chocolates left on the bus. Did that happen last time? Well, apparently it was chocolates left on a different bus. <laughs> but we won't talk about that. Fucking curry night. <laughs> so next day was the AGM and we have Jonathan Rhodes and James Nolan re-elected to the members board along with Kieran Kane who we interviewed a couple of weeks ago. He was elected as well. So, um, yeah. yeah. Congratulations to all three who've been elected onto the members board. Yeah. Good to see a new addition onto the board. It's been a few years, isn't it? So that was the first AGM we've had in a couple of years. After the, the information meeting we had a few weeks earlier. That was the first in-person one of that in a, in a couple of years. So aside from Kieran being elected, the major change was the board members have been expanded from five to potentially nine. Your plan um, work, Prof. You're getting in. You're getting in. Oh yeah, running. Uh, normally, uh, the day after Bally Buffet, you don't hear a peep from people. Like you'd be lucky to get a text from someone by five o'clock the next day, but in this case. You're actually looking at them in the flesh at noon mm. and it tell it shows. Yes. Like you look fabulous <laughs> <laughs> in your flip flops. You look like you had been to Bally Buffet oh, the previous God. morning. It's all about making it there though, isn't it? It's all about the recovery. Yeah. People drag themselves out of bed looking worse for wear. Uh, I quite enjoyed Dan Fulham asking a few days before the AGM any stats on how often we lose before an AGM you are going to dig this one out <laughs> because he says all he remembers is people giving out about the result the night before yeah. but actually there was virtually no on the pitch discussion at this it no, was no all, there's no it's not room for it there's no room for it it was all figures figures and match day operations and accounts and stuff all so the bar and stuff it was it was entertaining mm. I'll tell you that that's one thing, yeah. So Borky won't play the month for March. So Grace possibly should have got it in my eyes. But we'll move on with that one. And the Echo had an article about Tala Stadium naming rights and the sponsorship deal. We got one of, we got word of already. It's going to be Ocean Electrical Arena. <laughs> has a nice ring to it. What can we do? The Tifties Tavern? No, that's the pub. That's the pub <laughs> we're going to open. We'll come back with something. Uh, Keith Tracy on Under the Cosh this is possibly the most revealing podcast I've ever heard I played against him a couple of times and he was always shit hot he played for Belleville he was fucking lightning on the left um, geez, this is fascinating stuff yeah that was that was a great list he was a, it must have been a mess someone to come remember he came back as well and he was kind of big and overweight and we had no idea why remember he actually trained with us he mentioned I didn't it. know that I didn't know until, until I heard I did I do remember that actually I had no idea I until I being in the news at the time and um, from what like the under the cosh lad said like he was fucking shit huh yeah absolutely shit huh he was brutally honest like I couldn't believe how honest mm. he was and yeah but that was near the end wasn't it where he came to us and then he ended up going to draw her briefly he said for his uncle I love how his uncle approached him and he goes listen we're shy <laughs> we're shy and we're going to get relegated will you come play for us I didn't find out who his uncle was actually <laughs> Uh, we have Kieran Sadler just scored a penalty against Gambazunu. How times have changed, and a quote coming out of our WhatsApp group as well. Um, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, just a bit less than four years since he he saved it in in uh, Turner's Cross. The World Cup draw, prof. 
Um, I, watched, I looked at this the other day. The group of death, I think it's the Japanese one. Japan, Japan, mm. Germany, a couple of other ones. But do you know what? It's gonna be a, some of the games are gonna be at ten in the morning, man. I mean, yeah. it's not gonna feel like a World Cup. Do you know what I mean? Not that feel you get when you know the World Cup's coming and you know a game is on a four and eight, and then you're watching it all and you're having the points, and it's not gonna be the same. Ten in the morning in at winter. As well, yeah. I remember the 2002 World Cup, right? Getting up at mad hours for that one in Japan, Korea. Um, but the most interesting group, I mean, England, USA, Iran. That's that's a crazy one. Uh, did you see Rob Green posting the shifty eyes because of his clangor against, uh, yeah, yeah. against the Americans <laughs> in um, 2010? I also remember Iran beating USA in France '98. I remember that being a big deal at the time. Like USA did did nothing in World Cups back then. Um, Jermaine Genus conducted that draw there, international superstar and multiple time World Cup champion. <coughs> Jermaine Genus mentioned the same bread as Pede and Maradona. I'm told. Yeah, yeah. Go down the history books. So the World Cup and that was it. And the other result, Bose lost again. And Jippo Webb on Twitter has made for a fantastic reading, Prof. So get yourself on there if you like a bit of crack. Some. Gold, on absolute there. gold. We've, uh, we've discovered now what the problem is with Bosgar, and that is too many kids and nerds. <laughs> kids and nerds, no kids, no nerds. That's on the <laughs> wall now. That's a new mural. No kids, no nerds. And there was a quote on Twitter from a belt of scotch. I think he does the podcast. Is he? Yeah, uh, he says Rory Feely needs his contract terminated. Wilson needs the armband taken off him. And this has to be Keith Long's final year. Dire Straits at Bohemians. Oh. Keep prof. Or what was it? Keith Long in. Keep him. P.S. No kids, no nerds. Uh, Gar Brennan on Twitter. I am genuine in saying this, but there's nothing sadder than a COO of a football club announcing publicly that winning trophies is not a priority for his football club. Complete and utter fucking losers. <laughs> nah, holding back there. Pretty beat around the bush does... Uh, Bar Grennan as his, his username Bar Grennan yeah and uh, then we had Richie Kavanagh I think I, I I'd say he wrote this the day after the balls result woken this morning with the words bees <laughs> in my head to the sound of tales <laughs> from the east end oh god uh, next results Bowes losing at Teddy Mount 2-1 94-minute goal I think it was Akintunde burying a header and uh, <coughs> putting them to the sword we Dundalk 2 UCD 0 Pats 1 draw the 1 which we thought Pats we all predicted these games on the bus and we predicted them terribly we thought Pats would bounce off them we thought Sligo beat Shells but Dover Shells got a win out in Sligo so Dover Shells left Duffer's Talca Park got on Duffer's coach mm. went down Duffer's Richmond Road Got to Sligo and Duffer Shells pulled off a cracker of a win away win. Surprise result for Damien Duff Shelburne at the, at the showgrounds. Um, and Dan Carr got it, wasn't it? Dan Carr penalty with the, with the winner. Yeah, one of Damien Duff Shelburne's uh, pre-season signings. <laughs> and that's Derry's third late winner, third stoppage time winner uh, this season. And they got quite a few last year under Higgins. I think was it, somebody put up the list, I think it was about five last year. Uh, no one's going to call them jammy though no because it's all in their plan and mm-hmm. not going to blame a billionaire either already like, you know I was in the panic over there already like on the bus home I won't name and shame fucking name and shame some okay Owen Owen is shoving his phone <laughs> in my face saying look at Derry's fixtures prof 
April, for April and May. Here's their here's their plan next week and the week after that. You hate this. Show me Derry's next eight fixture. We're eight games into the season. Eight games in, not even a series, not a full series yet. I don't give a bollocks who Derry are playing in May. We'll beat them at home and then it'll open things up. Like it's not even a series in. People are mental. Um. Yeah, so Monday results as well. Saw a Derry 2-0 win at UCD, which we expected. Harps and Drotter drew 2 all in a home dinger up in Bally Buffet. And Sligo were beating 1-0 at home. Bowes on a Tuesday night. So that is two home defeats in a row. 1-0 by lesser teams to Sligo. Mm-hmm. So, that was Bowes' first win in six. Yeah, Aaron and Aaron, um, they are hoops. They hate Bowes. I hear the 1,700 Bowes travelling support that went down on the minibus were delighted with that win. So minibus. Um... Dundalk got a 1.2k fine for the Loud Derby fracas and that is uh, starting to the fines are starting to get dished out I think Derry got one as well prof mm-hmm. um, Galway's Comer Group takeover 85% of the club is now owned by the Comer Group in exchange for maybe five to 800,000 euro you've got to be wary of property developers could be a land grab you wouldn't know what's going on but they don't have any land to take it's a good move ultimately hopefully and they bring the club forward so I think they've been there a while though haven't they yeah they've been there in, in, for a while uh, kind of investing here and there so they're not like they've just come out of nowhere like at loan yeah but you're right you should always be wary but these things always get passed don't they I say everyone in the room was thinking the same thing like I'm very sceptical but yes Give us the money. They must have proposed some yeah. sort of property development as regards the train and stuff like that. So, listen, it's I'm hoping it goes well for them. And saying the first division, did you see there was a Togden style uh, YouTube review of a game? No, Turn I didn't cross, see it. I didn't uh, see it. Smiv from England. Smiv. He has over 125,000 subscribers. Ooh. He doesn't seem to take a breath between sentences. Where did he, he go? He speaks uh, very fast. <laughs> uh, Turn cross when they were playing at Lawn. I think they won four nil, three, three, four, and uh, he was impressed though. It's good. All this exposure is always good, isn't it? We move on to our underage results. Prof, the under Rovers under nineteens drew nil at Shelbourne. Seventeens won one nil at Carl Kilkenny, and the fifteens beat Bray one nil at the Academy. And both of our women's games were played at Roadstone. The women's nineteens beat Bray nine one. The seventeens lost three two to the Dunny Gall League. And the following fixtures are coming up. Prof, under nineteens versus Dundalk. Tala Stadium, Sunday, 3 o'clock. Under 17s versus Drada, Roadstone, Saturday, 3 o'clock. Under 15s, away versus Shells, Sunday, 1pm at the AUL. The women's under 19s, away versus DLR, be a tough one. Marley Park, Sunday, 3pm. And the women's under 17s, away to Bowes and Oscar Trainer, 2pm kickoff on a Saturday, prof. And that is your roundup of the fixtures for the underage. If you want to head out, catch some live football. Rovers tweeted this seeking volunteers to assist in selling programmes on match days sellers would need to report to the stadium 90 minutes before kickoff and be prepared to remain at their selling point until kickoff time if interested please send us an email to info at shamrockrovers.ie you must also be able to be prepared to listen to shit jokes and uh, terrible opinions there was actually a question at the AGM there was a, an, an elder statesman <laughs> who said that he couldn't get a programme this season he said whatever so I think he was coming in the East End side and he said they'd always be sold out and then he'd walk over to the other side and then there wouldn't be someone there or they'd be sold out. But if you're as long as you don't come in ten minutes before kickoff, like you really you will get a programme. You get one. Now Bowles, I mean 
that's the kind of difficult one to calculate, isn't it? Like, you don't want to print too many or too few. And that was obviously the highest selling one. Oh, uh, you trust Robert to be able to get it right well, the, the amount of times he's done it through the years yeah. as well. Robert is gauging the print run uh, very well. And he, he got in touch with that gentleman. And uh, he'll know what to do from now on. But, I mean, like it's it's in the door in the in the 1899 bar when you come in. There's a couple of setters. But having said that, like Robert's a tweet that out there, we are looking for volunteers. Which would make life a bit easier for us. Mm, another suggestion, possibly as well, is you could have the programs at the ticket booth, where you get them there. But they're in the shop. You true, I mean? true. But let's just a suggestion. No mm. need to shoot me down, Prof. Jesus, thanks. Well, I suggestions in here. I actually forgot to say the shop. That's why. Mm. So I just thought of it now. That is it, and we've Gillamalore's last game of the season, Prof. Wednesday, Jobstown Park. So check them out. They've had a really, really good second half of the season. They can only get well. hopefully they get better next season and add a couple of players to their squad but they've had a really really good descent into the top half of the league so Prof my favourite part of the show now is coming up Prof (laughs) this is getting good feedback this this segment (laughs) everyone loves your panic I think (laughs) I just look at the clock and I'm like no it's coming (laughs) up so well, come on give me your prediction what am I getting out of 10 here for the Tuesday trivia, trivia quiz not to put pressure on you but I'm noticing some higher scores in this one oh. so I think you're going to get at least a 7 mm. possibly an 8 prof ok here we go 10 questions here we go 3 minutes prior to Andy Lyons who was the last Rovers defender to score 2 goals in 1 game Danny Lafferty Dan Murray Max Blanchard Pico Lopez oh, oh Danny Danny's sticking out for me but Max definitely did Max Blanchard no, it was Danny. Uh, of Greenbrook's 54 goals for Rovers, more, have more or less than 10 of them been penalties? More. Yes. There we go. Burke scored four goals in the 6-1 win over Derry City in 2018. Hit five in the 6-0 fo- win over Cork 2020. True or false? There is at least one penalty amongst those nine goals. Yeah, it has to be. Yes, true. No! No penalties. <laughs> I love that question. Rovers played their home league game at Sligo in July 2009 on which ground? Talca Park, Tallis Stadium, Showgrounds, Richmond. Oh, this was because of... Oh, um, it was Richmond. No, it was Talca. Oh, I remember that. The remember, Madrid. I remember all giving out the Real Madrid, Madrid, yeah. Friend. Stephen Gagan and which other player controversially left 1994 Champions Rovers for Shelbourne that summer? Peter Eccles, Paulo Zaham, Pat Fennan, Alan Bourne. Ooh, um, I'm thinking Eccles. I'm thinking Eccles. No! Alan Bourne! I would never have got that. <laughs> Rovers' last league defeat Shelburne was in which year? 2005, 2020, 2012, 2013. League defeat. League, Skinner! Damien Duff made his Rovers debut in August 2015 against which club? Pats, Cork, Dundalk, Bowes. It was Dundalk, wasn't it? I think it was. I remember him coming on. We were winning. Came on and didn't touch the ball. Might have been Cork, actually. Cork! Yes! <laughs> Last game of Duff's career was Rovers 5-3 win over Drottie United and Tyler that year. Who scored a hat-trick that night? Danny North, Brandon Mele, Kieran Marty Waters, Mikey Drennan. Ooh! Uh, Danny North, Brandon Mele, Kieran Marty Waters, Mikey Drennan. Mm, oh, prof! Mar- Marty Waters oh I don't know Danny North why did I think Marty Waters Rovers back forth la- Rovers back forth the last game in Milltown on 12th of April 1987 consisted of Harry Kenny Peter Eccles Dermot Keady and who oh fuck off Mick Neville because he was on the show because you interviewed him 
No, Kevin Brady. That's why McNeville's a red herring there. You fucking <laughs> that's that's typical of you. I'm a horrible person. You are horrible. <laughs> Three out of ten. And I saw the the scores were quite high on on the show on the WhatsApp group as well. Thanks, that one, Prof. Pretty appreciate that. Uh, yeah. So next up, we have the Tifties Hotline Part Two, and we have Brian McKenna, Noli O'Brien, Dutch Jerry, Tony O'Dell, and Derek Tracy, Prof. Two brilliant old school legends. So here we go. Yellow. Hi guys, Brian McKenna here. Some people might know me from an old internet nickname of Green Blood that I've been using for over 25 years. Um, long time fan of the show and first time I've contributed like this, so thanks for having me along. Um, you asked me to say a few things about the events that are happening over the Easter weekend and one of them I'm involved in somewhat. So the uh, the walk against on the day the Dundalk game from the Milltown Monument, definitely be going to that. I remember being there for the uh, unveiling and for the 20th anniversary. I missed the last walk stroke bus trip. Um, but I'm looking forward to going to that. I'll be going with my son and telling a few stories on the way. Um, I was only nine going ten when Milltown closed. Um, and uh, lots of stories back back then, but there for another day. And I've only accidentally been in the place once since the Hesna Estate went up. Um, and that was a college night out and going to a house party and I got out of the taxi not knowing where I was in my very vulnerable early morning state um, I didn't react very well and wandered off to have a wee in the fountain centrepiece and was then asked to leave so I wasn't ever there for very long and um, the cycle on Bank Holiday Monday the day of the Pats game we're going to head off about midday heading for Blessington and it's about a 40 kilometre cycle um, and Killian uh, Tipperary Hoop and Jerry Desmond have been organising this over the last few weeks and it's to remember Waffles, uh, Anthony McDonald, who was uh, a competitive cyclist back in his day. Um, and it's been two years since we lost him. And it's been tough two years uh, with COVID. So it's time for us to do something. So the route to Blessington and on the bank holiday Monday should be okay for anyone who's ever been out on the bike or is out on the bike regularly. Um, hopefully Garts will be able to sort a safe passage through Jobstown. And then the only real challenge is getting people over the embankment. It's about seven kilometres at that stage. And from then on, it's all flatter downhill. So we'll get everybody back. We won't leave everyone behind. I've done a couple of other rover cycling events over the years. Um, supported Neil Farouge's fundraiser last November. So managed to cycle over 1,100 kilometres during the month, cycling every day. And uh, we were able to ma raise the most money and cover the most kilometres out of the, uh, the challenge an event. We beat the GAA on the double and the rugby crowd. So that's a good thing. And then back in summer 2019, I did another challenge, another solo challenge this time, was to try and cycle around every ground that we played in during the homeless years. Um, I started the night before, actually, by going down to Newbridge and back. Uh, it's about 80k all in. Um, and then on the day of, I think it was a dairy match, I'm not sure, on the day of the match, um, cycled out from the house, out to Tala, and then out to Bray via UCD, all the way over to Santry and then work my way back to Talca, Whitehall, Dahlia, Richmond. Um, uh, and it, it was about 130 kilometres all in, if anyone fancies it. Um, I didn't go to Cork, and I'll cover that now in a second. Um, what we talked about the struggle when we talk about losing Milltown, you talk about the struggle in, in, in the time since then, and there's many aspects of that. <clears throat> all the ground swapping, 
and the advantage is taken by other clubs saying Oli taking Pat Fellin after he'd only played one year at Rovers in return for us to stay in Tolka those taking gate receipts cash in hand at the gate um, lots of bits and pieces like that protests all the fundraising standing on the pitch in Richmond complaining about boards but one thing really sticks out during that time one thing that really always got me and still does was the home game in Cork I didn't include that in my cycling story because it was an away game and Cork forcing us to wear our away jersey that year that really stuck in the craw um, and it was a pure humiliation Cork didn't need to do that they had no benefit from doing it they just did it to get us um, I think Karma's probably got them back on the double over the last few years so that serves them right Overall, our survival is the thing I'm most proud of. The We'll Never Die is a is a true anthem, as true now as it ever was. And seeing that song back in the relegation years at Waterford or in Pats when we got hammered, or the Tolka Bar the day that we lot out of Tolka, they're, they're real memories. And they're the things I'm most proud of during the struggle years. Um, talking about Tolka, or Damien Duff's Tolka, as it should be titled, um, there's a lot of stuff. I was too young uh, for the, the protest years, what, 90, 87, 90. But from the from the return there, I was leaving a certain age, started to go games on my own. Um, and there were some great games there um, in the late mid-90s. Some some teams that should have achieved more. We had a lot of great players and Tony Cousins scoring goals. Um, Noel Hunt doing his backflip. Uh, one game sticks out was two games that stick out one was a Finn Harps match in mud and the game should never have been played and it left a scar on that pitch for about three years the centre circle and the goal mouths and the other one was a cup final sorry a cup quarter final or second round on a Sunday afternoon against Limerick which went to extra time and I think we won 5-4 and it was just a goal fest the whole game would do I think the squad is too big no I don't think the squad is too big I think we've got a real quality squad I think the manager has options in every place um, does he make changes to keep people happy I hope not um, it's not his job to keep people happy it's his job to get them successful and winning things um, and players who are participating in a winning squad should be you know should be happy to be at the club they get paid they get great facilities and the best fans in the league behind them you know, you should be there. It's a big squad game. There's a lot of games to be played. Everyone will play. If I have a concern, is where we going to get young players into the team? Um, there's a lot of young talent coming through, and they do need opportunities. They need to have a real chance of being in the team. Uh, the last thing then was, uh, do I have any superstitions? The only superstition I have about Rovers is I don't touch the trophies. You never touch a trophy. Unless you've won it, you shouldn't be touching it. Never touched any trophy that I didn't win. I didn't win very many over the years. Um, the only jinx in the league, as far as I'm concerned, is Keith Long. You wouldn't want him in your squad. Um, and then, what's my favourite jersey over the years since we left Milltown? Probably a purple match winner jersey that I have. Would have been around the RDS years. Um, and I have a match-worn one with a number on the back. No names anymore or badges like that, but it doesn't fit me. No chance. Um, the other one that stands out then would be the, the Santriera Woody's Umbro jersey, the jersey that's the inspiration for this year. So thanks very much for having me on. Hopefully I'll talk to you again soon. Keep on hooping. How are you doing? Nolly O'Brien here. Greetings from Tenerife. It's a cool 20 degrees here at the moment, sitting by the pool. Still rubbing in. Um, answering the second part of the first question first, um, favourite form of exercise would have to be running. 
and I've signed up for three half marathons this year along with Paul McGrath and we're doing the Dublin Marathon in October as well. Never done anything for charity. I might do the Dublin Marathon actually sign up for charity if I'm not too sure which one yet. Um, Anthony McDonald's 10k run, 40k cycle. If you can get out and do it, do it. Great to just get involved in something like that. Um, like running, cycle or walking. It's good for the good for the head, getting a bit of exercise in. Thinking of the homeless years and the ward struggle, there's only one place probably that comes into mind. Um, it has to be Santry. Um, it was a real low point in uh, following Rovers. You just have to get two buses out there from Tala. I was a lot younger at the time. A lot of times I went down there on my own. Um, into the Swiss cottage, meet one or two people, but Jesus, you go into the stand, probably only 50 people. And really, really low time of uh, following Rovers. Nearly, nearly killed us. I suppose the dream of Tala was always on the cards ever since I uh, followed Rovers. But it was there the, um, the day it got passed in South Dublin County Council, I think it was. Myself and Graham McGuinness uh, went on the hop from school and had our Shamrock Rovers jerseys underneath our uniforms. We headed down, uh, a couple of other lads from Tala that were there, and quick change of clothes for us. We won, and we got the piece of land that is uh, Whitetown Ray at the moment. We were jumping around, picture in the paper or whatever. Um, we got home from school, I suppose it's school late that day, I think it was just after half six. My mum said, uh, where were you? I said, I was in doing half a school study, I made up some excuse. I said, where are you now? Come in here. I was on the six o'clock news jumping around with a load of other fellow hoops. So I was caught. <laughs> that was one of my best uh, times, memories at Tolka Park would be the game uh, versus Dutch Gardens in Europe. And I think it was 2002, 2003. Um, just start to finish the day was brilliant. It was a lovely sunny day out. They brought a great crowd. I just had a real European feel to it. Uh, obviously the result didn't go our way. It was two or three one that game. Um no, I won't enjoy that and that's it sticks in my memory. Worst memory obviously Derry in the FAI Cup final. We lost one nil. Um sticks out in my head there's James Kelly back post header. How we missed it. Um the stand went on fire that day as well. But yeah, that's that's my worst memory at Hogger Park. Do I think the squad is too big at the moment? Um, no, definitely not. Um, headaches for the managers. That's what they're known as, uh, but they're good headaches. How many times this year and last year did we bring on subs that change games? Um, we, we have enough players on the on this show that they all seem to be singing off the same hymn sheet, so I don't think you could have too big a squad rather than having too little to pick from. Superstitions at games. I don't watch us taking panels and that started a few years back. Don't ask me why. I can watch people taking panels against us, but not when we're taking panels. I look away. That's the sort of cup final there two years ago in the Viva was fun. Um, Torn back and forward. One of my favourite hoops jerseys was the purple whirlpool jersey back in the nineties. Um, real standout. It stood out in any way back in the day if you were wearing a Rovers jersey because. We didn't have the fans that we had today, um, but that, that was a real standout jersey. 
bring it back. Good afternoon, lads. This is uh, Jerry Pipelink, aka Holland Hoop. Good afternoon. Checking in with my contribution to the hotline. As for the first question for the charity events that are taking place in the next couple of weeks, I have never really done a cycle or walk for charity. Um, I must say maybe it's it's a bit laziness from my side, but I usually donate to charity and um, and that's like my part of of contributing to it. My favorite form of exercise these days, I used to do a lot of football and used to play quite a bit, but getting older, it's mostly dog walking and I do a bit of mountain biking in the in the summer whenever I can. So that's my my way of, of keeping fit. In your second question, um, to typify the struggle uh, of rovers in the homeless years, I think it was mostly just going from stadium to stadium um, where we were like kicked out of, of competitor stadiums uh, with the ultimate low point, like having to play a home match in Cork. Also, I think like uh, checks bouncing so we didn't pay our players at, at stages, I think is typical of that of that time in our existence. What convinced me that we would get to Tala eventually, I think were like basically the two court cases that we won. The first one was for the 400 club to uh, to take over uh, the football club. And I think when we won the case against uh, Thomas Davis, I think after that we could really go ahead and get, uh, get Tala done. As for my best and worst memory of uh, Tolka Park, uh, I will start with my worst memories. I think th there's basically two, like the cup final against Derry in 2002. It was like my first big Rovers match since I moved to Ireland, so I really wanted us to win that. But uh, I think we just didn't show up on the day and um, and then eventually lost. But I think the very worst memory, of course, is probably the relegation in in 2005. I think in hindsight, it was maybe a good thing for the club to start a rebuilding job. But at that moment, it definitely didn't feel like that. Um, the best memories of Tolka Park. Uh, there's a couple, I think, like in the first division, the first match against Dundalk that we won late on. Absolutely great, uh, great memory of that. Uh, I remember like Noel Hunt doing a backflip uh, of the fence after scoring there. But I think what generally is my best memory that when we played our home matches there, uh, it was basically down to the, the hundreds of hardcore fans, the togetherness, the, the singing in the bar over there. So that for me is like my best memory of Tolka Park. As for the next question, I don't think our squad is too big at the moment. Like you need a big squad to win a league. Every position has to be covered. So I think our squad is, is the right size. I would argue that maybe the balance of, of the squad is a bit off. We seem to be very heavy on midfielders and we could do with one or two more strikers. So that's the only point I would have on that. Also, I don't think uh, Bratzer makes subs just for the sake of making substitutions. I think he makes them when it's needed or when the situation calls for it, when, when somebody's injured. Um, 
there's always like you can always make a few subs when the score allows it when you're three or four nil up so um i think uh, i think the subs so far this season have been uh, spot on as for substitution of superstitions i don't really have any i must say though like if we have a really good match which we win uh with big numbers and a week later on a friday i'm getting out of my work clothes and i'm getting ready to go to the match and i see the same clothes i wore the week before i would probably uh, put them on again mm, i think as far as as jinxing things is is going i think it's typical everybody has been there um we have like a group chat uh with my rovers friends when we when we are watching an away match that we're not in and i usually end up being the one that says that we don't play well that we wouldn't score a goal in in days if if we play like that and we would typically score like a minute after that so that's a pretty good jinx to have i guess as for the bonus question if i have a favorite rovers jersey from the homeless years um well, apart from the jerseys that, that I own that Tony O'Dowd used to wear, um, my favorite jersey was probably in the mid-90s and 94. We had the Whirlpool home jersey. I think the brand that made it was called Matchwinner. And it had in the watermark and the hoops it, that had like uh, shamrocks and the name Rovers in it. And uh, that's like from, from the early to mid mid-90s the whirlpool home jersey from matchwinner is my favorite jersey of that time okay thanks good luck with the podcast bye-bye okay question one the next couple of weeks there's a 10k walk in milltown and a 40k cycle for Andy and mcdonald have i done any of these things before well um kind of the only thing i did like that before was uh would have been the marathon dublin marathon um, and my kind of favourite form of exercise would be uh, running. So I can be see I can be seeing pounding the the main streets of Lucan uh, most nights. Um, the second question: the homeless years. Can you think of one or two moments that typified the struggle? Well, it's more than one or two. Probably not getting paid and having to threaten to go on strike. But uh, like it was never we're never going to go on strike. But you had to put that thread out there to try and embarrass people to pay us. Uh, it wasn't a very nice time, but uh, it's just the way it went. And um, probably as well having to play a home game in Cork. Another embarrassing moment for for the team and the club. You know what I mean? Just shows how far we've come since then, um, and how lucky the club and supporters are now and the players. Um, Another low thing would be uh, training in uh, Corky Park in Clondalkin. Um, obviously, now with the academy up there, uh, Rovers are leading the way with training facilities and gyms and different sort of things, but uh, um, it beats training in a, a public park um, any day of the week. And probably as well playing in Martin Stadium. That was embarrassing. The heart the north side in a... A run inside a running track and on a Sunday afternoon, um, wasn't even under lights or anything to get half an atmosphere and fair play to the actual fans that that had to come over there and and watch it. 
never a good atmosphere. I don't think there was ever a decent game there. Um, and uh, fair play to the fans for doing it. Uh, and having to pay for the privilege of doing it. Not, I imagine having to pay for something you don't want to you don't want to go to and look at. But fair play to them. They carry, through, they carry the, the club through uh, the dark times. And probably as well, was um, a few kind of local businessmen um, that helped out the club at that time. Kind of kept the club going, paying wages, um, and uh, they didn't really want to. They wanted to work. Supporters of the club didn't want to be kind of recognised, and their night they just did it for the love of the club. Didn't do it for any glory or anything, and it would have went um, under the radar. But uh, I don't want to mention any people, but I think people who were around then know who they are, and kind of the, the supporters and new supporters should kind of thank them lads that that actually. Um, Got the club through, kind of nearly gone out of existence at one stage. Um, and that someone who kind of sold everyone the dream and gone to talent and kept it going um, was Joe Caldwell. Even in the darkest days when the GAA and everyone else was trying to stop everything, he he was uh, a beacon of light and tried to keep everything going and was always positive. And probably without Joe as well, probably wouldn't have been in probably wouldn't be in, in, in Tal at this stage, you know. But uh, they were the dark days, better days happening now. Uh, what was your biggest memory, best and worst memories of Talca Park? Um, probably two best memories would be beating balls both times, probably beat them 3 nil on one of my first games for the club. And uh, they battered us that night, but we still came out 3-0 winners, which uh, made it even sweeter. Probably the second game was beating them 2-0 in the semi-final. They were going for the league. I think they won the league that year as well. They were they were all full-time. We were uh, not doing well and that sort of thing. But um, we still got to the final and beat them in the semi-final 2-0, which is a great result for us. Um, probably the worst moment was probably that the final that year, getting beaten 1-0 by Derry. Um, not only the day, not only the... Losing one nil is actually the day, the way it was handled, torn up in tracksuits and old tracksuits, and it wasn't the, the the cup final wasn't treated with the respect it should have been treated. But um, look, they were the times we were dealing with, unfortunately, with uh, rowers at that stage. But um, that's just the way it is. Um, question four: Do you think our squad is too big? And sometimes Steve and Bradley make substitutions to keep them happy. I don't think the squad's too big. You can't, you know, you can't, uh, you can't have a squad big enough, really. You know what I mean? With uh, Europe and trying to win all competitions, league, uh, fantastic squad there. Now I think you've nearly got two players for every position, and top players, not just uh, there's no one just making making uh, make weights in that room in that uh, thing anymore. Um, and, and if you know Stephen at all, you know that he wouldn't be making uh, substitutions just for the sake of making substitutions, and especially not to keep someone happy. He's a, he's a Stephen's a nice guy, but he's got a backbone made of fucking steel, and uh, he wouldn't be messed with. So he's not gonna just put his job in his job in jeopardy, or try not to win a game just to keep someone happy and keep them on the bench. And the players knew what they were knew they were signing for the best, the best team and the best squad in the country. So they came in with their eyes wide open. So they knew the situation.
but uh, no way Brad's does anyone any favours just to keep them happy. He has the best interests of, of himself and the club at heart. He wants to win every game. Uh, do you have any, number five, do you have any Rover superstitions? Um, I always used to wear um, a brown scapula that was blessed from the church on uh, Merchant's Key there. Um, me auntie used to get them all, all the time from me, blessed, so just used to wear a, a scapula all the time. And that was me only kind of thing. Um, really. Um, yeah, that'd be about it. Um, then the the last one, your favourite hoops jersey. Um, I don't know what year it was from, but it was the Adidas lifestyle one. Uh, always always loved the L lifestyle or uh, the Adidas gear, but uh, yeah, that lifestyle was for me was iconic. Um. It's kind of the first time I've seen Rovers playing, and still, I think it's. I think if you produce the exact same uh, jersey today, it'll look it'll look great. But um, I but I still prefer the white Knicks and white socks with it. Um, so I'm not I'm not really a fan of the green the green uh, green shorts and hoop socks. I always prefer the the jersey with the uh, with the white shorts and white socks. Thanks very much. They were questions uh, answered by myself, Tony O'Dell. Thanks very much. Bye bye. Hi, Derry Tracy here, ex Shamrock Rovers player. Um, the last charity walk I would have done would have been uh, involved with a friend of mine, his daughter, uh, was diagnosed with cancer. And a few of us kind of got together and we arranged to do this walk around the Hill of Holt. Uh, it wasn't that, that many that actually did it, but it was just kind of to raise a bit of awareness uh, for the child's condition and just to show the, the her parents the a bit of support that we were there for them if they needed needed us in any uh, shape or form thankfully uh the young girl now is, is in a good place and she's uh she's fully cured from her condition and uh so that's the last one i would have done my favorite form of exercise adequate range i could go for the odd run now and then maybe get out to the gym um Still play the uh, the old game, the over 40s with, with Nick Bourne and uh, Mark O'Neill, Mark Kenny, Aaron Lynch, a few other lads. Uh, so that kind of keeps me ticking over. I like to kind of change every now and then. I wouldn't have one particular thing that I stick to. Uh, the homeless years, I suppose, one, one of the big ones for me was when we had to play the match down in Cork. Um, we were in Ninja Court at the time, and I think there was a bit of trouble at the game where a few seats got damaged and Pats threw the, the old toys out of the pram. So in fairness to Cork, they stepped in and said, we could have the home game down on Cork. But that, and then uh, there was another incident where uh, the wages were, uh, weren't being paid, our checks were bouncing, and uh, the Rovers supporters in typical fashion kind of got together, raised a few quid and handed it to, to Terry Palmer after one of the games. It was a great gesture by them, but it was something that that it shouldn't have come to that. Um, like the Cork thing, it should never have come to that. And it just kind of showed where we were as a club at the time. We were kind of at the beck and call of other clubs. And, and then the financial financial problems that the club was going on there at the time. Uh, in terms of getting the talent, I suppose, I was more convinced when the, when the plans first came out. The longer it went on, uh, the harder it kind of got. I suppose the lowest ebb in terms of that was um, when we kind of we started training on the pitch uh, uh, under Daniel Richardson. And then we were kicked off, I think, for health and safety. Now, we would have trained a fair few times up there, but we were kicked off eventually for health and safety uh, reasons. And it just seemed to get further and further away. 
Swansea was never really convinced until um, Shane Robson walked out onto the pitch uh, for the first game. Uh, my best memory of Tolga Park, probably probably in terms of playing, and that would be the 6-4 game against Shells. Uh, they were actually flying at the time, we were down near the near the bottom. and uh, But it was just one of them games. Uh, I think Tony Cousins got a hat-trick, Pat Morley got a hat-trick, and France, the Pat, some of his goals were unbelievable, got an amazing header. And another great goal uh, uh, so uh, we kind of went up early i think we were 4-1 at one stage they came back but managed to pull away in the end it was uh it was one of them games it could have went either way but thankfully went to us that night yeah uh, i suppose the worst memory doesn't need any mentions probably i say everybody answered this the the night we got relegated uh i still have thoughts of that header that i missed uh, with a few minutes to go but uh it was a shocking night but Again, it's easy to look back now and say it was the catalyst for things to come after. It's the good things that came, the, the board got into place, and in France, Pascoli got the club back up the next season. And then Michael O'Neill came in and obviously won a few leagues and that. But, but at that time, yeah, I was a, it was an awful night. And uh, you'd never want to be part of a team that got relegated, particularly if you're Sean Grover's man. In terms of the squad being too big, no, I don't think so. I think it's one of the major reasons why we, we've been successful over the last couple of seasons. Uh, just again, I lay back to us, not for one second, and comparing us to, to, to the squad there. But under Damon, I think we came second one year, and we lost two semi-finals. But it was the same players playing week in, week out. By the time we got to the semis, we were on, on our knees. Um, I thought, yeah, Damon had nothing on the bench at the time to kind of change it. Even if you had two or three extra players there, it could have made a big difference. So uh, I think I think Stephen Bradley uses subs well. I don't think he he's too professional to just put them on just for the sake of playing a game. Uh, we're gonna get injuries during the season. We're gonna get suspensions. You're gonna get a loss of form. So having a big squad is huge. And uh, I think, as I said, I think it's one of the reasons why we've been so successful over the last few uh, few seasons. In terms of superstitions, me and myself, I wouldn't have. Uh, in terms of playing again, uh, I think the odd player might have been like. Superstitious terms of putting on shin guards, the left up goes on before the right, all this nonsense. But myself, I wouldn't. Uh, I may, if I thought I played well one week, I might, might try and replicate what I did that week, the following week in terms of preparation, what I ate, what what way I trained, the warm-up, stuff like that. But uh, superstitious, no. Um, the favourite Rovers jerseys, in fairness, I think all the Rovers jerseys have been really good over the years. It's not one that you kind of say, didn't kind of didn't like but i suppose if i had to pick one the whirlpool one in 94 95 probably purely because that was the year we won the league and i would say that it is a decent jersey it's nice with the colors on it the hoops might have been a little bit thicker the only downside it was quite a heavy jersey once it got wet and back then not that i played too much that season but uh the jersey would be quite heavy and i was only about 10 stone dripping wet at the time and uh so it could get a bit heavy, but I thought it was a really nice jersey, and uh, I suppose that would be the one I'd go for. Uh, it's great to it's great to hear Tony O'Dell and Derek Tracy talk about it with a bit of fucking love in their voice and a bit of love in their passion in their in their heart. It's a uh, it's great to hear. They lived it, didn't they? In the dressing room every week. Excellent stuff. Uh, re- reunited on Tipty's Gar. Remember they were our guests in uh, Johnny Blues January twenty eighteen. Biggest and longest session ever. Still one of my favourite shows we've ever done. Yeah, we actually made a trip to the awful. We actually got reinforcements in from the awful. <laughs> and Tony rang the missus. 
She, and he was like, these these are keeping me here for ages. He was the one instigating it. <laughs> yeah. He was telling, he was drinking Archer Tibbs. He was telling us to get yeah. more drinking. Yeah, Tony mentioned the, the Cup semi-final win against Bowles, but he failed to mention that after that win, he popped his head into the Bowles dressing room <laughs> to wind them up. Yeah, one of them. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so uh, brilliant stuff for us, wasn't it? Yeah. And uh, Tony wore uh, a scapular, blessed by the ch- by the church. So yeah, that was his answer to the superstitions. Wouldn't be wouldn't be my thing though. Yeah, I think uh, we'd born in the church, prof. The Noel Hunt backflip. See that got a couple of mentions. Yeah, by people. Um, what else do we have? Derek mentioned the Cork home game in Cork as well. It's just it's rings rings allowed for people, doesn't it? Yeah, I don't think uh, Daryl told us before. I don't think he played in that Cork game, but uh, great to hear from Dush Jerry again because he's uh, Tony O'Dowd's biggest fan. And uh, Nody O'Brien, because he coached with Tony. So it's all connected. It's all connected, bro. It's, it's not just random. Nody O'Brien caught on the news by his magger. Snared. Same thing happened to Kenny Barrett before as well, actually. Kenny got me in the Rovers and he did a bunker from work. He didn't even come in. Didn't come in. And the gaffer saying to me, where's this fella? And I was like, he's on his way, he's on his way. Where's he coming? He's on his way. So he went out for his tea or whatever. He, might have been, he was watching the news. And he came in, he goes, on his way, is he? Says, yeah, yeah, you should be here any, here any time now. He saw him on the news going on the train with a fucking sl- a slap flag. It was the Sligo. And he was, he was telling me all about it. He was cracking up. I was like, here, telling you what I was told. I'll allow it this time because I haven't heard that story in a while. But you used to tell that story. <laughs> Every monthly madness. <laughs> Every monthly madness, yeah. A few beers in it. Jeez, you I like, can't remember that. The that Kenny Barrett story. Um, there's always one bollocks who sends me ten files. For this Tifty's hotline. Every time. Has to be Nolly. There's always one. And this time it's Nolly. So Nolly. This is a hatred for you pal. Um, what else we got? We had two debutants on the hotline. We mentioned Kevin earlier. And Green Blood. Green Blood. Some great stuff. Um, he had not only his debut in the hotline. But he'd never done the show before. And he picked the purple jersey. So we had a cyclist and a runner on. So that was kind of suitable. It's all connected, bro. It was kind of suitable for the exercise question. So yeah, uh, great interviews there. Great stuff. And like we said, if you would love to go onto the hotline, get in touch. And next up is the stats. There is a mathematician, a different kind of mathematician, and a statistician. Stats <laughs> So Body Buffet was our first away win of the season at the fourth attempt. Thankfully, didn't go on as long as 2013 under Crawley, where we didn't win until our eighth away game Woo! in June in Cork. Jesus. I remember that. So that's our ninth win in the last ten visits to Donegal, ever since they got promoted in 2016 for the first time in many years. Uh, if Lyons had taken that penalty, it would have been the first hat-trick since Berkey against Cork. You heard that mentioned in the quiz. 2020. You like that stat, don't you? The Berkey has never scored exactly three goals for us. Only <laughs> five and four. That's mental. Yeah. Here, here's a mental stat for you now. I, it just caught me by surprise. I just started checking it and I thought, I can't believe this is still going. So, Aaron McAniff did score uh, a brace in the cup a couple of years ago. But, Andy Lyons is the first Rovers player to score two goals in one league game away to Finn Harps <laughs> since Robbie Cook a 3-2 win in February 
1975. Fuck off, Prof, will you? 1975. How bizarre is that? <laughs> Extremely bizarre that you know it as well. Think of the amount of players, My God. strikers, who have gone to that ground and not scored two goals. Uh, it's the first time we've scored a penalty in successive games since August 2018. <laughs> One of your favourite games, Gary. Dylan Watts away to Dundalk. Ah, oh, yes. And Bray in the same week. And uh, That's a good start. Shell's stats, just a couple. Uh, we're unbeaten in seven meetings with them since the 2-1 defeat in the Cup 2012. Jinx. <laughs> Lowest form of humour. <laughs> that one I mentioned earlier that I stormed out of. Uh, in the league, it's eight unbeaten since 2005. Again, you heard that in the quiz. And Jim Conroy asked me a question. He said, how many caps has Pigo Lopez got? Because Frank O'Neill holds the League of Ireland record and the Robbers record Ooh. of 20 with Ireland. He's up in double figures. Yeah, I asked him. And uh, Pico has played 14 times Whoa. for Cape Verde. He's definitely going to play more. But one of those games, I think, was an unofficial game. Because he played against Marseille uh, in France. So they're kind of not recognised by FIFA, you know, when you play clubs. Yeah, it's like yeah. when we play Celtic. Ah, it's, it's not it's not a cap, but it's still, I'm still so, fascinated that, that this has even happened. Yeah. Like. So let's say 13, and Franco Nilo's 20, he's surely going to get eight more caps. Oh, yeah, he definitely will, yeah, in my opinion. So he'll break that record. Great stuff, Ruff, the stats. I'm brilliant. And up next, of course, it's start 11s and predictions. So it was a tough one, but you know what? I've decided to stick with the momentum that we've been building and good performance, best performance in my living memory up in the Harps. And I'm going to stay with the same team. Manus, Pico Grace, Hoare, Lions on the left, Finn on the right, Tell and Gary O'Neill in the middle. I think this could be a turning point for Tell if we if he performs here. Maybe he's one of those players that needs to get games and a, and a run of games. You know, one of those like Hoare so was. you're leaving out Watts? Similar to Hoare, yeah. Watts is getting over here. I'm going to go Bork, Jack and Gaff. It's, it's, it's. I'm happy with the performance up on Harps. The best one in a long time. Does anybody deserve to be dropped? Let's let's hope Richie Tell turns into the Richie that we want. You know. Mm-hmm. So that's it. Uh, I'm making one change. I'm bringing Watts back in for Tell. Oh, I'm glad to see we differ. And I'm gonna say yeah. four two Rovers, Humdinger. Humdinger with a, with a hat-trick from Borky who actually scores a hat-trick this time <laughs> and a Pico header. Do you remember a cracker of a game out here actually in 2012? Uh, again, Fiddy Hughes scored I think but they got a red card early on and it was real back and forth game. I think we went a goal down and then 2-1 down and then we came back at 1-3-2. Twiggy scored. It was a Thursday night which was strange. Uh, remember this game now? 2012? Oh, I'm not getting it. 2012 is a blower probably. Yeah. Uh, it was a good game though. Uh, prediction: one nil win. I think we'll get an early-ish goal, and then it'll be a bit, you know, it'll be a bit nervy at times. Uh, who's going to score the goal? Uh, go Gaffney. Gaffney. So that's it for this week's show, prop. We are out in Duffers Talca Park playing Duffers Shells, and I'm looking forward to it. What about you? Yeah, I mean, like I said, haven't been here since 2017. Uh, no fans, obviously, 2020. So, presumably, nobody has been here since since in uh, five years. We got 800 tickets. 
one of the maddest scrambles for tickets. Maddest like, ever, in my opinion. I've think, never think, had this much of a scramble. I think what summed it up was we put ourselves put up a thread on Facebook and said, any spares let us know. The only response was somebody asking us for spares. Mm, that's all it was. We're doing, <laughs> can we have spares? And they're like, can I have one? <laughs> not, I don't have any, I'm asking for them. <laughs> yeah, a lot of good Hoobers seem to have missed out on tickets. They yeah. all sold out by the Friday morning. And as McDarrah said to me, it's going to be like, it's going to be old school. Standing behind the goal at Talca Park. Close to the fact. I was only thinking to myself, yeah. I haven't been close enough to kind of, you know, kind of actually let players hear me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Try and put them off and things like that. So it's been a while since we've been down that road. So I'm looking forward to that anyway. Didn't Peter Murphy say he hasn't stood there in 20 years? Oh, like, I've never stood there. So interesting one for us. And uh, Pats versus Dundalker. Stephen O'Donnell the pig's heads and the rubber snakes have been <laughs> sold out in Smith's and the butchers for a while now apparently so it'll be interesting enough but uh, yeah no it's going to be an interesting week of fixtures mm. and I'm looking forward to it prof. I'm really looking forward to getting out here and beating Duffer Shells a quick step before we go only one of the nine points picked up by Damien Duff Shelburne so far have come at Duffer's Talca Park there you go so listen they've been up and down but I think Damien Duff Shelburne are beatable and we can do the business against them in uh, that's it so we hope to see it for a point maybe the cat and cage we're not too sure it's on the new ownership but that is it for this week Prof and we will see you out in Talca Park see ya you abandoned me love don't live here anymore Love don't live here anymore When you lived inside of me There was nothing I could conceive That you wouldn't do for me Trouble seemed so far away You changed it right away Ooh, 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 ooh.